I think your first investment, it might not always be the best investment, but it is so valuable just because of the learning. You know, you learn so much that's invaluable. So even if it wasn't the best investment and looking at our other preschools now, looking back at this original one, we were like, oh, that's not the best deal. Like we could have gotten a much better deal and negotiated, which we didn't know what, you know, how to negotiate or that we could even negotiate. So, but I'm still so thankful and grateful for that first school, just because it taught us so much. Are you interested in learning more about owning your own portfolio, cash flowing rentals? If so, we invite you to take our free mini course, the Crash Course in Cashflowing Rentals. When you take our mini course, you'll learn the strategies we use to build our portfolio. You'll also get to see several of our students featured who have successfully built their own portfolios as well. To take our crash course, link to semiretiredmd.com forward slash mini course, M-I-N-I dash C-O-U-R-S-E. Or visit our website at semiretiredmd.com and link to the crash course on cash flowing rentals there. You may also want to join a waitlist for our introductory course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals, while you're at our website too. We'll see you there. This episode is sponsored by our brand new course called Fast Fire Bookkeeping for Real Estate Investors. Do you have a pile of receipts and a bunch of statements that are stacking up in your office and the pile isn't getting any smaller? Are your rental properties getting you closer to financial freedom? Do you even know how your properties are performing? Well, the answer to your problem is doing your books the right way, and that's what our course is about. We'll teach you how to set up your books the right way, not just for tax time, but also so you can unlock the insights that will help you maximize your cash flow. For more information or to sign up, go to semiretiredmd.com forward slash fastfire bookkeeping. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, the place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. Today, we're really excited to have Dr. Krishni Somaratni here. And she is doing something which I think is really cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I've never heard of another doctor doing this, but she's investing in preschools with her husband. And uh, I think it's going to be a really cool episode. So welcome. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about you? Sure, of course. So my name is Krishni Samaratna. I'm a internal medicine nocturnist who's practicing in Orange County, California. I live with my husband, G, who uh, is in corporate finance. And we have three small kids. And in addition to our full-time jobs, we run preschools on the side. So that's kind of our fun projects. (laughs) (laughs) So can you tell us when this all started and how you ended up running preschools? Yeah, of course. So, you know, me and G both kind of grew up in humble backgrounds. Our parents were not very financially savvy. And so even though G went, you know, he had a, a background in finance just through his education and accounting. I, even during medical school and residency, I didn't kind of have a grasp on just even personal finance. And so, you know, when we moved to California um, after my residency in uh, 2012, and I still remember having so much 
student loan debt, you know, like $220,000. And we both had really high paying positions. Um, And I always thought growing up, like if I have a high paying, good job, like we're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. But just even though we had high paying positions, like it was still difficult for me to pay off my student loans. And, you know, Orange County, California has a very high cost of living. Yep. And And yeah. And so, you know, we were kind of just going with the flow for a year or two. And then closer to 2014, organically, one of my husband's really good friends, his wife was a preschool director, and his mom owned a preschool. And so, you know, he was, he had been wanting to open up a preschool or invest in opening up a preschool, but he didn't have the capital to do it. Mm -hmm. And so he was looking for an investor. And so, you know, we kind of got to talking and we were like, well, that sounds like, mind you, we didn't have a lot of the capital to put in, (laughs) but, you know, we decided, oh, well, you know, that sounds like a good opportunity because during between 2012 and 2014, I started becoming a little more financially savvy. I was like reading Dave Ramsey and like, you know, watching Susie Orman. Mm -hmm. And then of course I ran into rich dad, poor dad and read that book. And then I was like, oh, this totally makes sense. And so it was around about the same time around 2014. And so we were, I was like, yeah, let's go into business. Like that's what we're supposed to do. This is how we're going to, you know, get financial independence and get out of the student loans and all of these things. And so, you know, in 2014, we kind of decided, okay, let's start to look for a preschool. We've got a preschool director. We have a mentor on our side and we'll figure it out, (laughs) you know? And so we found a preschool broker. So all of the, if you're looking for preschools, there's actually brokers that just specialize in preschools. And this was a very well-known broker. And so we connected with her and she found us our first uh, preschool. Now, initially we didn't have a lot of capital, both couples. So it's, you know, 50-50 partnership. And so we couldn't afford a preschool where it also included the land, which then would, you know, make it over a million dollars in cost. And so we just bought the preschool business, which we ended up overpaying for, but, you know, it was $600,000. And so, you know, in the preschool business, they actually, the seller will finance some of it. So we were able to get like 50% financing through the seller. And so, you know, we each had to come up with like $150,000, which we didn't have. And so, you know, I remember we went and got a personal loan and we, you know, I don't know, somehow we scrounged up the money to do it. But this was, uh, again, the reason it was a cheaper preschool was because it was run down. It needed a lot of fixing up. So we didn't have the money to just hire some contractor or even hire a painter. So I remember every weekend we were going to this preschool and like painting and doing things ourselves and like handing out flyers in the neighborhood, you know, and so that's kind of how we got it up and running. Um, but can, I interrupt, time. can I interrupt yeah. and ask, how did you overcome the fears? Because I imagine there were fears there initially. Yeah. So it was definitely, there was a lot of fear because in addition, we bought this preschool. It was a, it was a losing business. The capacity for the preschool was 140 children and they only had 30 kids in there. Wow. And so it was losing $15,000 a month, <laughs> you know, and, and our business partners didn't have the capital to like, uh, float that. And so we had to, me and G had to float that. And so it was really stressful. We were like, we need to get the school full. Like, you know, we need to build up the 
the kids in there and make it look nice and, and get parents in the door to tour this place. And so it was very stressful for about a year. And then, you know, we slowly were able to come out of it and, you know, turn it positive. So probably it took us about two years to get us get to about 130 kids in there. So what I what I hear is you found a preschool that's kind of mom and pop, like in, in the yes. real estate terms, right? It's mom and pop with a lot of hidden value that's performing badly, right? The the previous owner was running it really poorly. So because of that, you got it at a cheap price. Right. How did you know you were going to be able to get it up? Or or were you just we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We didn't. I think we just and at the time, you know, our kids, we had two at the time. Our kids were very young. And they were both in preschool. And so we kind of looked at it at the, from the perspective of this is what I kind of preschool I would send my children to because we were already in that space. And so I think that was the only thing that was easier to be able to like see how we can turn it around. And then we also had the mentorship of our business partners, mother, and, you know, and then our two boys were already going to preschool that we loved. And so we were like, well, we're going to make it look like this preschool. And so that was kind of the inspiration. There was a lot of learning, though, because we had to deal with employees. <laughs> we had to deal with hiring. And luckily, our business partner who's a preschool director. You know, she was kind of taking on that role. But again, she was also not she didn't have a lot of experience as a preschool director. So we were all learning together. My husband was learning like the HR part of it, the payroll workers comp, you know, all of those things that are required of running any active business. But it's, you know, I think your first investment, it might not always be the best investment, but it is so valuable just because of the learning. You know, you yeah. learn so much that's invaluable. So even if it wasn't the best investment and looking at our other preschools now, looking back at this original one, we were like, oh, that's not the best deal. Like we could have gotten a much better deal and negotiated which we didn't know what to, you know how to negotiate or that we could even negotiate. So, but I'm still so thankful and grateful for that first school just because it taught us so much. I, I wanted to unpack that a little bit. You said you overpaid for it. And you're saying that now looking back, you know that now when you're going into a deal, how do you assess a deal? And, and how can you tell if something is a good deal or a bad deal? And how do you know how much you can negotiate? Yeah. So, you know, we usually will look at the numbers, the cash flow that the business is bringing in. So it's really like looking at that cash flow and then looking at the expenses and then kind of gauging whether you're overpaying for this business or not. And so this first preschool, I feel like we overpaid just because it had 30 children and was losing so much money. And we're, it's not like we were buying the land, we were buying this business. And so, you know, there definitely should have been more negotiation. And then we were also dealing with a, a corporate a company that owned the land. And so, you know, their, the leasing fees were really high. And so, you know, looking at that too, because our second preschool was leasing it from a church. And so the, like the leasing expenses were so much cheaper that we were able to cash flow more. So really it's looking, it's very similar to real estate where you're, you're looking at, you know, what you're purchasing it for, you're looking at your outgoing expenses. That's how you kind of look at it and figure out if you're overpaying or if it's a good deal. Is there a certain uh, target you're going for in terms of like net income or cash flow? I think if we're looking at the capacity of the school and how many children it can hold, 
and then we kind of have to look at the tuition rates of the area and then see, you know, what it is that we could bring in based on that capacity and based on the tuition rates. And then, you know, looking at those numbers, then it would make sense, you know, compared to the expenses, because now we know this amount is going to be insurance, this amount is going to be workers comp, you know, there's all of these expenses that we now have kind of standardized. So it's very similar to real estate in that, in that sense as well, because once you've kind of gone through one, you can rinse and repeat and, you know, make the other successful. So all of your subsequent schools that you kind of buy, are, it just the process gets easier. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the reason we asked you here, Krishni, is because when we saw this picture you posted in Empire Builders, uh-huh. which is our membership site for people who don't know, and it was the before and after kind of renovation picture of your latest preschool. And so can you talk us through your, your latest acquisition and then what you're doing to kind of turn the building around? Of course. Um, so this latest preschool we got in 2020, it was again run by a mom and pop preschool business. But the the value that we saw was that it was right across the street from this major hospital. And, you know, I wanted to make sure that we made this preschool really nice and marketed it to all of our nurses and doctors across the street. Um, We could also then have a reason to have extended hours, have weekend hours. And so, you know, all of those things will increase your cash flow if you're able to fill it. Um, The school, because of COVID, had only eight children and had a capacity of about 144, you know, and so they were, and they were, you know, they were elderly and they were retired, retiring, and they just wanted to get rid of it. (laughs) So they would take anything. And so we had a lot of negotiation, you know, leeway in that because they were kind of desperate to get rid of it. And we knew that, you know, it looked really run down, but just some cosmetic changes. I mean, they were still significant cosmetic changes. We had to change out the flooring, you know, paint the walls, build some walls. Um, But still, there was a lot of hidden value in that preschool. And so that's what we're doing right now. We're in the middle of the renovation, but four of the classrooms are ready to, you know, open. And so we're just waiting on licensing, which we should get next month, and then we can start filling it. So it's really exciting. You said they only had eight preschool kids. What was the issue? Was it like a marketing issue? Was it the school was just run down? Like what, why do they only have eight students? Was it COVID? All of those things. So it was COVID. Mm -hmm. It was very run down. So I don't know what parents would bring their children into this preschool. So, you know, so as a result, the quality of their, the kids in that, in that preschool were low because their tuition was really under market, you know, understandably so. And then they were, they didn't internet at the business because they were, they were just so old school and like running everything paper. And, you know, so it was just, I mean, they were marketing, it was run down and it was COVID and they were just desperate to get rid of it. And so, you know, we got such a great deal from that, from that school that we didn't even need to finance anything. We just paid cash for it and just uh, got the school. And then because we were able to get it for a really good price, we're, you know, we had the capital to put all this money into renovations, which, you know, we'll end up probably putting about $150,000 into um, renovating the place. But all of these businesses, when we, it's very similar to real estate, you want to, you know, make it look really nice and put in that capital to fix up the place at the beginning, because that's when 
you're going to be able to maximize the capacity of your, you know, preschool and um, get the most out of it. And we usually are planning to hold these preschools for, you know, a long time because the cash flow is pretty good. And so, so yeah, we're excited about this, you know, third preschool. This week's podcast is sponsored by our course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals. Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals is a 10-week online course focused on helping physicians and high-income earners go from knowing little to nothing about real estate investing to confidently buying the cashflowing rentals that will allow them to achieve financial freedom and work in medicine or their day jobs on their own terms. Our course is only open to registration twice a year, so be sure to get on the waitlist at semiretiredmd.com and check out the course details on our course landing page. This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Caliber Home Loans. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. Now, we've been working with Dan and his team for over five years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close the deal. Now, I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or a vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at semiretiredmd at caliberhomeloans.com to get a free consultation. Yeah. Can you talk about the financing? Now it sounds like you guys paid out of pocket, but if somebody were to go out and get a loan, what type of loan products are out there? So at least in California, the, the preschools are the seller. Mm-hmm. will will partially finance it because it's st- it's still difficult to get a small business loan if you don't have experience. I think now if we tried to get a small business loan because we have the experience, we shouldn't have an issue. And because I mean the interest rates are still about like 6% for the um financing, the seller financing. Usually the loans are over probably about 12 years or so, 10 to 12 years. Um, at 6%. So yeah, I mean, I think you could, you could get a, a better deal if you can get a small business loan. Um, but we, we've only financed the first and the second preschool. And so, you know, down the road, if we wanted to finance, we, we might look into a small business loan because probably get better terms. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned that you bought the preschools, not the land. So can you talk to yes. us a little bit about the real estate part of it? Yes. Uh, and your husband's plans for a real estate professional. Right, right. So our first preschool was in 2014. And then we bought our second preschool in 2017. And the second one really allowed us to get financial independence at that point. So probably within about three and a half years, we were able to get financial independence. <laughs> I would probably still want to continue working um, because I just enjoy clinical medicine and I love what I do. But, you know, I've been trying to get my husband to understand that, you know, time is the most important asset and his corporate position just drains him of so much time because he has so much on his plate. And so finally, towards the beginning of next year, the plan is for him to, you know, leave that position and then just focus on real estate and scaling and our investments and continuing with the preschool businesses and doing some other projects. And so we would love for him to uh, get real estate professional status. And then we're at a point probably by next year where the next preschool, we're kind of looking for purchasing it with the land. The thing with, of course, being in California is that this is a business that is not a passive investment. It's the complete opposite. It's very active. 
But some of the options are if you could always purchase a a preschool with the land, you know, it's going to be a couple million dollars to do that. But then you can sell the preschool business to somebody else that was just like us. And, you know, they're going to be leasing that property and running a preschool on that property for you. So now it's a, it actually becomes a passive investment because now you're just collecting rent. They're triple lease net. Triple net leases. Net lease. Yes, correct. And so, you know, all expenses are not paid by the landlord. You know, it's the, the leasee that is paying for everything, electricity, water. I mean, everything, even any repairs to the, you know, the building or whatever, they don't cover that. And so it just allows us to be able to scale without actively having to manage so many. And so that's kind of what we're looking to do in the next couple of years. Now, you said it wasn't a passive business. Uh, Could you ever see doing this long distance? Is that possible? Yes. So because California's land is so expensive, this is a way for you to actually do it long distance. And so we were thinking maybe we can buy preschools with the land and the preschool and then, you know, get a broker to just, you know, sell and lease out the preschool portion. And so you can definitely do it long distance this way. What what about running the business though? Like what if you're going to buy the land and run the business? Yeah. So running the business can be a little bit difficult. So the preschools that we have are all fairly, well, one of them, because we have our um, business partner, who's the preschool director, we don't really oversee that as much because, you know, our partners oversee it because they're actively running that preschool. But the other two, so just to clarify, that first preschool was the only one that we went into a partnership with. So me and my husband solely own the other two preschools. And so we're running both of them, but they're close in vicinity to each other. So we're able to like move staff from one to the other, and it's easier to actively manage. It would probably be, it's not impossible is not, you know, I don't want to say that you can do it. Of course you can do it. But I think it's just depends on who you hire and hiring becomes really important, especially hiring the right preschool director. Because if you have a really good preschool director who is responsible for hiring teachers and responsible for running a program efficiently, it could just require some oversight, but you could definitely do a long distance. Yeah. So it's something to think about. And we've been it's definitely something that we're interested in just because, you know, it takes so much upfront capital to buy something in California that we could, you know, get something out in Arizona or something and, you know, be able to run it remotely. It seems like also when you go to sell it, if you could sell it to like a franchise, like a big company that you know is going to be very successful because you don't want to sell it to a mom and pop owner who then runs it in the ground and then can't pay your rent anymore, right? Yes. So you want to sell it to a bigger company, a franchisee, like a franchise perhaps that is going to be super successful and, and you're setting them up, which is so cool because you're running it really, really well, maximizing the dollar you get to sell it for. And then you get to hand over a business that's running well to somebody. So that's really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. I find it so interesting that, yeah, you can buy both the business and the land mm-hmm. or both, right? You could do either, you know, like or- McDonald's, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, well, I mean, it's, yes, yeah. I guess it's not that different from like going out and buying like an office building that already has tenants, like you said, paying triple net leases. Mm-hmm. So they're yes. paying all those operational expenses for you. Um, but then you're actually buying the businesses right now. Uh, not the real estate. So it's just so interesting that you can do kind of one of three options, really. 
Yeah. And, you know, the other opportunity is that if you take this failing business that you've paid a low price for, you build it up and now you've built up your cash flow because the sale of your business is all dependent on what your cash flow is Mm -hmm. to the next owner. You can make a lot of money just like revamping a preschool business and then just turning around and selling it in a year. You make a really good profit. Yeah, I could imagine you guys probably have a formula now for renovations and and remodeling your preschools. Yeah, well, right. And it comes down to finding a really good contractor. That second preschool at the church, we actually didn't need to do a lot. Um, I actually wrote down how much do we put in? We probably put in about 30,000, you know, to just fix up the, the flooring and do some paint. But otherwise, the capacity of that preschool is 180 kids. So there's like a lot of room to go. And because it's a church, the, the other really good part is that uh, it's not a triple net lease. They actually pay for everything. They pay for our water. They pay for any repairs, you know, roofing, like anything they'll just, they'll pay for. And the leasing payments are not that much. <laughs> um, so it allows for a lot of, you know, good cash flow. Amazing. So we know you're buying more preschools, but then you were also mentioning assisted living. So what's next for you with that? Yeah. So we love providing places where you can give care to our, you know, populations of either young children or, um, you know, also kind of expanding it to maybe elderly care and senior care. Um, The inspiration for that came actually, and probably the inspiration for us to scale faster um, happened because my mom in 2016 had a devastating stroke mm-hmm. two months shy of her retirement. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and it was a really stark reminder that, you know, we got to, we have to enjoy today and tomorrow and you can't wait to retire and you can't just, you know, work every single day and be trying to live paycheck to paycheck. And, it, you know, it's just, and so that was one inspiration of it just changed my outlook on life. And then the other part of it is that, you know, now she's got some debilitation. And so, you know, that senior care becomes really important just personally to me because we've had difficulty finding good quality uh, care for her. And, you know, the one-on-one care um, is very expensive for families. And so if families have to go out to work and, you know, they can't leave their elderly mom or dad at home alone safely, We've kind of dabbled into maybe like senior daycare because as our, you know, baby boomers are aging, um, it becomes a huge need in our communities. And I haven't seen that much out there. So that's something that's really interesting. And I'm also we're kind of looking into assisted living, kind of uh, assisted living homes. Um, there are a lot of families that don't really like to put their loved ones into these large, you know, institutionalized type of assisted living facilities. And so there's the opportunity for assisted living um, homes that house maybe like six to eight residents. Mm -hmm. And so that's a great real estate opportunity too. So, because you can, you know, purchase a house and kind of create a senior living home. And usually the rooms, the monthly amounts that uh, depending on, you know, the location of the home and the quality and caliber of these homes you know, um, each resident would pay from five to $8,000 a month for a room. And of course, there's overhead because you have caregivers in there and you have people staff to, you know, take really good care of them. But 
it's a great service to provide and it, it also looks to be lucrative. So it's something that we're also kind of trying to explore right now. Awesome. So for somebody trying to get into uh, or interested in getting into preschools, what kind of advice would you have for them? I think it's just very similar to advice for going into real estate, long-term rentals or short-term rentals. You just have to f- decide you want to try to do this, learn more about it. And you know, you find a mentor. And then the other person that's going to walk you through it and really be helpful is a uh, preschool broker. Every state has brokers that only specialize in preschools and the preschool business because their job is to run the numbers and price correctly and find buyers for preschools. And you can find those people on LoopNet or, you know, just see who is listing preschools on LoopNet. And if you see a name that comes up and the thing is compared to real estate agents, there's not that many out there. So, you know, you know, you only have a handful. So you can just kind of reach out to them, meet them and just find out a little bit more. And it depends on how much you want to be involved. If you don't want to be that involved, you can always purchase a preschool with land on it and then have the preschool broker sell the the business that the land is on. And you just, you know, collect the rent. And uh, you can also just actively manage the business because, you know, the, the cash flow is pretty good with those businesses. Because as any parent will tell you, childcare is very expensive and, you know, so if you provide a really good service to parents, they're going to come and enroll their kids at your school. So a, there's a lot of great opportunity there. Awesome. So uh, two questions that we ask uh, all of our guests. The first one is, uh, what is your definition of rich? I think my definition of rich is, you know, living life on your own terms. And I just feel like we have one life and you should be the, the artist of your life. And so, you know, it, it should always be on your terms. And so what you want your life to look like, you get to design it. You have the opportunity every day when you wake up to design the life that you want. And if you're able to do that and have the clarity and vision and the will to be able to do that, I think that to me is the definition of a rich life. Awesome. And what is one uh, strategy, habit, or mindset that separates someone who is rich versus someone who is poor? The mindset of can do. I think um, if you have, if you look at that mindset of I can do it with anything, then you can do it. You know, if, if you set your mind to be able to do something um, and you're able to block out fears and doubts and just kind of keep going, that's a rich mindset. Mm -hmm. I love it. And you took that. Yeah. It sounds like that first preschool, you just said, I'm going to figure, we're going to figure it out. And that's what you did. And then we did. take that learning for your, to your second one. And then it sounds like with your second one, you were able to achieve that financial freedom. So such an amazing yes. story. Yeah. I'm so excited to see what you do over the next. Oh, thank year. you. Amazing. Yeah. And it's really fun too. I think if, if it's something that you enjoy doing, um, just being involved in something that you really enjoy and seeing the progress of that really um, is fulfilling. So you know, I'm so grateful that, you know, we have the opportunity to do this. Yeah. And I, I definitely heard that in what mm-hmm. you said is that this fulfills you. And it's part of that mission of providing childcare for these doctors, just like you had in your residency. So it's, it's really cool to mm-hmm. see how beautiful the full circle is. So, yeah. 
Thank you so much for joining us and our listeners about Mm -hmm. running a preschool, buying a preschool, the real estate of preschool. So many awesome pearls here. We're really grateful. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me and giving me the opportunity to talk about this because I've not had a platform to, you know, discuss all of this. So it's, it's been really fun and exciting. Thank you. The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.